You're listening to the Ambitious Mama Podcast, and I'm your host, Krista Rialba. Hey, mamas, I have a great episode for you guys. If you want more in your life, in any area of your life, this interview is for you. So buckle up because you're about to learn from Jen Groover. If you don't know Jen yet, she is an incredible woman. She has impacted my life and inspired me for over a decade. And I know so many women who have benefited from her book, What If and Why Not?, her keynote talks, and she has a new book out for us, and it's called The More Method. So let's do this, you guys. Let's claim more in our lives because we deserve it. All right. Hey, hey, mamas. I have one of my favorite mamas here, Jen Groover. And uh, Jen, I'm so excited um, that we're connecting. And I know it's been so long, but you know everything is about timing because um, what better time for everyone to meet you who doesn't already know and love you? Um, and if they do, even better because they need you right now after such a year of fear. And I mean, fear was something that we spoke about before all of this, but how are you doing, Jen? Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And it's so good to see you. Um, yeah, I think we we came to the conclusion it was about five years since we saw each other physically in person, which is so crazy to me, yeah. um, but I'm doing good. You know, 2020 for me was was interesting. Um, I It didn't bother me the way it bothered some people because I think everything's relative. And 2019 was really hard for me. Um, I lost my father in this like really weird kind of situation. Um, my daughter was chronically ill and bedridden and we couldn't figure out how to help her. Um, I had a breakup. I had like all these issues happening and, uh, 2020 was more, um, just kind of a neutralizer for me. Mm. Um, I, I was definitely disappointed because my book was launching and I had over 125 speaking engagements canceled um, for a book tour. So that was incredibly disappointing, but I just really focused on what was right more than what was wrong. Yeah. Uh, stayed focused on the positives and, um, and, and really found a lot of pleasure in slowing down a little bit, you know, with my girls running in 50 different directions and, um, and just spending more quality time with people in more small, intimate groups. So I found the good in it. That's for sure. Yeah, you sure did. You always do. Yeah. Now, for those of you who are just meeting you for the first time, I mean, when I think of you, I think of empowerment. That's really ever of all the different things that you've done, the different projects and all of the, the times I've been learning from you, you've always helped me to feel more empowered. How could you kind of bring people up to speed who are just meeting you for the first time? About being empowered? About your journey and kind of what led you to where you are today. So um, my journey, um, all of our journeys begin in our childhood, but um, as you know, when I teach people, in order to be aware of who we are as adults, we often have to go back to that childhood programming mm -hmm. um, that shaped us to understand who we are. Uh, and, and we can make changes if we want from there, but we have to understand the root causes of things. So um, my childhood was a bit crazy, um, dysfunctional. My dad was a highly functioning alcoholic. My mom and dad were uh, in a volatile marriage my whole life. And uh, there was a lot of chaos at home. And um, 
And so that very much made me fascinated when I went to college about psychology because it started to make sense of the craziness in my childhood. And, and I realized that psychology, everyone should be taking psychology. It's a study of human behavior and why we do what we do. And, yeah. and um, from there, I just became fascinated with all things human behavior related. I'd been an athlete growing up, um, but I started my first business uh, unknowingly in college when I had gone home for a, um, a break. I think it was a holiday. And um, I did a step aerobics class. So I'm mm -hmm. totally aging myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> and I did the step aerobics class and I loved it. And I went back to the, my, my university and I asked the administrators to give me a space, a step, a boom box, steps, boom box. Yes, also aging myself. <laughs> and I would take it from there. So I charged people per class and um, all these people would come in and, and it was just euphoric to me that I created mm -hmm. something that brought all these people together. And that very much became the theme of my life from there. Uh, right after college, I became a national level fitness competitor uh, and uh, owned a gym. And then, you know, made my, my life really about speaking about happiness and wellness and fitness. And um, I just kept studying more and more from there. Got mentors along the way, incredible mentors. One of them being mm -hmm. Bob Proctor, mm -hmm. um, who was my personal mentor in my 20s. And you can imagine how much that would shape somebody's life. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then he taught me, along with all these other mentors, how to really master your mindset and how to... Um, visualize what you want before it is and feel it and, and then manifest it. And, and my whole life has been that truly been that principle, those principles. He taught me all the universal laws before people were talking about it, uh, the way that they are today. So, um, from there, I just kept starting business after business and speaking and evolving. And the more I would evolve, the more my content would evolve. And so, uh, that's been my journey. And you, you talked about empowerment, mm -hmm. um, and think deep down inside, uh, I always wanted to empower people because uh, I knew what it felt like to feel powerless mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel good. So, and, and I always wanted to magnify people's potential uh, so they understood their own greatness. And um, that, that gives me one of the greatest highs in the world to help people unlock their potential, to help people unlock um, their happiness and their ability to have the life that they desire. Amazing. So your new book, The More Method, I cannot wait to get my hands on a copy and to devour it because as you were speaking, I mean, I was having all these flashbacks of all these moments of, hear, of hearing you speak and having these aha moments and also remembering of how I have applied that to, you know, to being a mom and like teaching my boys the power of their language, the same way you've taught your girls. And I remember these stories, like so powerful, Jen, like, thank you for everything you've done for everyone. Like you've touched thousands and thousands of lives, but not just, um, inspired you've empowered us on on really how to co-create our lives it's incredible you. so Thank tell you. us about the more method what is it well the more method is a culmination of my 20 plus years of teaching human behavior it is um bringing multiple disciplines together that i've studied and bringing the best best of practices in a framework so it's bringing together psychology physiology nutrition quantum physics metaphysics neuroscience 
Buddhism, uh, all into a, a simplified framework uh, to teach people to how to get from where they are to where they want to go. So no matter where you are in life, no matter what your age or stage, you can take this framework and these principles and apply them to your life and keep getting elevated in where you want to go. And um, it, it's something that came to me actually in the middle of the night, which a lot of our great ideas do. And um, it was at a time where I, I'd been teaching emotional intelligence for, for a while. And then emotional intelligence became this hot thing, this hot topic. Next thing you know, I was all these emotional intelligence experts coming out of the woodwork. And as somebody who understands branding uh, as a personal brand, um, I said to myself, what is it that makes me different? As all these people are now coming in my space, what's making me different? What separates me from everybody else? What value do I really give to people? And there's this inquiry process that helps your conscious mind and your subconscious mind kind of work together. So if you ask yourself these questions before bed, you'll often get clarity quickly because your subconscious mind will um, give you answers that your conscious mind doesn't necessarily have access to during the day. So I woke up out of sleep and with very clear statement, you teach people how to get more of what they want in life. Mm. Whatever it is, whether it's more success, more happiness, more health and well-being, more harmonious relationships, you teach people how to do that. So then the more method came to my head and it quickly the more more is an acronym and quickly the the acronym came clear in order to get more of what you want in life you first have to be m mindful of of who you are and where you are then o you need to optimize your physiological state to optimize your mental and emotional state r is learning to be more responsive versus reactive so that's the emotional intelligence component mm -hmm. and then e is learning to excel in all aspects of life so really talking about holistic success Instead of just success, as most people see it as financial and, and professional achievements, but holistic success, success in your health, success in your relationships, success in your own happiness within yourself and who you are. So um, I called my publisher the next day because I'd already had a second book in the works uh, called The Operator's Manual for Life. And I said to her, we need to stop that book and we need to do this book first. This book is the foundation of that book. And luckily she trusts me and we like switched the whole strategy and plan, got this book together and launched it right as COVID was starting. Um, so as you can imagine, that didn't um, translate so well. It's really, even though more people needed it than ever during that, um, it seemed really self-serving and inappropriate to be promoting a book. Um, and so we just dialed it back to just say, okay, well, we'll just kind of seed it over the year and we'll launch it now. So here we are. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And, and now I think it's like, it is the perfect time now. You're right. I mean, it, it, the thing is it's ideally we're, we're empowered and ready and we have the tools when something happens, but more often than not, people are reactive. Right. But now that they've lived through that, they're like, okay, I don't want this. So how do I prepare myself to be more resilient, um, and mindful and all the tools that, that you're teaching. Okay. So what's coming to mind is I'm always trying to be in the, um, the listener's mind in terms of maybe they're just hearing about this for the first time. Like after 
keep in mind that I've been learning from you for like a decade, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so let's just break it down simply. What is the difference between subconscious and conscious beliefs? Um, how do we bring some awareness around that? Yeah, so um, subconscious mind, our subconscious mind is actually controlling 80% of what we do. However, most people don't, aren't aware of what's going on in their subconscious mind. Now, another big information part of this is most of your subconscious mind, the majority of your subconscious mind was programmed by the time you were seven. Mm. And so when we want to change who we are, we need to change our beliefs. And they're usually the subconscious beliefs that we need to work on the most because they're like automatic programming for us. And we're doing things and assuming things and interpreting things based on our subconscious mind without questioning it usually. The conscious mind is, is in your frontal lobe. It's the editor. It's the, um, your, your conscious state. It's, it's the, 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 the sound that's talking to you, that voice that talks to you, that's your conscious mind. Mm -hmm. So, um, when, when we're changing beliefs, I always say to people, you need to first look at who your programmers were. In order to get clear as to what your beliefs might be today, mm -hmm. evaluate the beliefs of your parents, your grandparents, your community that you grew up in, the school that you went to, the, the programming that you're watching when you were a child, and start to analyze, are, are these beliefs in alignment with what I desire and truly want for my life. So for example, my dad had an extreme scarcity mindset because mm -hmm. he grew up during the depression. So of course he had that mindset because things were very scarce, but that those beliefs were projected on me as a child. So in order to become successful, I had to change all of those beliefs to believe that abundance is everywhere and that money just kind of comes and flows through us. And that <clears throat> Uh, there's success everywhere. And so when I became aware of that, if, if I didn't change it, I wouldn't be sitting here today. I probably wouldn't have touched your life mm -hmm. because um, I would have been stuck in this limited belief that success is limited, that mm -hmm. success is hard to come by, that I can only be something that fits in a box with a label, which I'm totally not, right? Mm -hmm. I'm multiple, multiple things. I'm an author, I'm a speaker, I'm a serial entrepreneur, I have multiple companies. So I broke that belief that you have to be one thing with one label for the rest of your life. Yeah. So another way to start to access what our beliefs are that we have, that we need to change is look at the outcomes in your life that you have right now that you don't like. It, what is a repeated cycle for you? You know, are you in a repeated cycle around money? Are you in a repeated cycle around success, around relationships, around your health and well-being? And whatever those outcomes are you don't like, there is 1 million percent beliefs that need to change in order for the outcome to change. The problem is most people try to make change in who they are without evaluating this. So the We've seen you and I and, and everyone on your team, we've all seen it. Someone is like, yes, this is it. This is my year. I'm going to do this. And they really have great intentions to do it. And they are forcing their behavioral change, which is using willpower and motivation versus transforming who they are to have a long lasting change. Mm -hmm. Transformation process begins with our beliefs. So it's kind of like um, 
when people go to the gym on January 1st every year, and this is it, this is my year, I'm going to do it. And by January 21st, the gym is the same people that were there the, fall, the, the previous year. The reason that happens year after year isn't because the people don't really seriously have goals and true desires. It's because they never evaluate the beliefs that they have around diet and exercise first and then change those beliefs. So for example, if I hate exercise and every day I go to the gym thinking how much I hate exercise, eventually I'm going to stop because our brain is wired to keep us safe and not torture ourselves, right? So um, I would have to change that belief to something like I love exercise. And then you have to follow up that new belief. So I flip the belief to a new belief. And then I have to create a value proposition to that belief. So I love exercise because I, I love energy. I love feeling good. I love being more productive. I like how I'm in a better mood. So all of those things are value propositions of the new behavior. And mm -hmm. then as I'm going to the gym every day, I'm repeating this to myself. It's an affirmation. I love exercise. I love how it makes me feel. I love feeling more productive. And as we repeat that affirmation and go through the new behavior, we then start to create this transformational change. And therefore, after those 21 or 30 days, it starts to become who we are. We start to have a different belief system. We start to have a different emotional connection to exercise than we did before. And then we start to crave the exercise. We look forward to it because we look forward to the outcome of it. And that is that process that I just walked you through is one of the most important processes for anyone and everyone to understand in order to get different outcomes in their lives. Okay. So I'm going to break down what I just heard and tell me if I got this right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I look at my life and I'm like, Hey, where are the results suboptimal? Okay. And yep. not where I want them to be. And then before I try to like hustle mode them into being different, uh, which would typically be my, my go-to, mm -hmm. I would say, okay, what investigate here, what limiting belief exists. Mm -hmm. So looking back at my childhood, looking back at what I heard, what I saw, what I was watching, et cetera, and say, mm -hmm. is there something here I need to clear and identify? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so identifying probably takes away its power. I'm mm -hmm. Yep. That right. clarity. And then choose a new belief with more confidence too, knowing that because maybe at the back of my head, my, my, uh, I could be saying something like, yeah, nice try. You, you know, here we're going to go, you're going to go for it and you're not, you're going to miss or, you know, mm -hmm. that, cause that, that ego is still playing there yep. in the background. Yep. Absolutely. So you identify the belief, you flip the belief, then you create the new affirmation with the value proposition attached to it, mm -hmm. repeating that over and over and over and over again, as you take new actions, and then it becomes who you are. And yes. then, then your outcomes start to change. This is amazing. Now, you and I both have in, in common um, a lot of things, but but my, I also grew up with an alcoholic father who was um, uh, present, but not present, right? Like he mm -hmm. wasn't emotionally available yeah, until I was yeah, really a young adult. Um, and I remember sitting in a coaching session with um, the fabulous Nikki Kiyohoho, uh mm -hmm. coach there. And she, she literally identified in like I don't know. It was like two minutes that she, she knew that my, that I grew up with a, an alcoholic father. Yeah. I was like, 
But what are those, what are those beliefs? What are those things? Like, I don't even know how she identified that, but what is some of the traits of someone who did grow up with maybe um, an alcoholic parent? So often it can kind of go two ways, really. You and I identify with the one way that's very much a profile where, especially as females, we become overachievers mm -hmm. uh, to have control of our lives, where we felt out of control in our childhood. Uh, and finances is a, usually a big part of that, financial independence. Um, we often we can, can be too independent um, and too self-sufficient, mm. therefore not leaning on people around us enough. Um, I goosebumps. Yeah. <laughs> um, often, and this is not the case for you, um, but often it can cause relationship issues um, because of being overly independent and self-sufficient. Um, there's also codependent issues that usually come with it. Um, but many of the people that I attract in my life uh, and when I'm speaking are products of that same type of childhood. And we're all women who are very strong, very self-sufficient, very independent, um, and really rely on no one but ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, the other side is repeating the pattern. Um, so becoming an alcoholic yourself and repeating that pattern. Uh, and, and the belief of that is it's, it's, a, it's genetic. Mm. My dad was, so I am too. And then that cycle just continues and you project it on your children and so on and so forth. My belief personally, other than um, a, few, um, a few cases that are different is that addiction, the majority of addiction is actually an external manifestation of internal pain. So I don't really believe in the genetics story. I'm not saying that that's not completely, there, there, it's not, there's not something attached to it, but I don't believe that that genetic thing causes you, because your dad was, now you are. I think it's more um, nature and environment of what you're, what you're raised in. And then if, if my dad was raised in trauma, which he was, and then he projects trauma on me and, and he drank because it numbed the pain of his trauma. And then I learned that drinking numbs the pain of trauma. And, and then I go, oh, well, it's genetic. Now I've just given my power away. Mm. And, and, and I, that's why I don't agree with saying that to people too, because it gives, it takes your power away. And um, there, having opioids is is different because that is just it's a different story. But gambling, sex addiction, uh, drinking addiction, all of those things are a, a number of trauma and pain. And when you heal the trauma, you heal the addiction. Mm, you don't I've, need it anymore because you feel good within yourself. Thousand percent, I agree. A thousand percent, absolutely. Because uh, yeah, it's the trauma. Um, and speaking of um, really crazy subconscious beliefs, and this is why it's so important to do that inquiry and to and to use tools like um, like your book to really to dive into you know self reflect. Um, I recently discovered one that was like so crazy and shocking, and it was just like smack in my face. Um, it was, and actually came about reading the book, um, Untamed by Glennon Doyle, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. who's also in Naples. You should go hook her up, hook up there. Um, but anyways, so I was reading it and it was just like, it hit me right in the face. And it was a belief that I picked up from my mom 
who was obviously married to an alcoholic, right? So she had to have the control of the situation. So she was super like control, doer, 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 was that in order for me to be worthy of love, I needed to be productive. Yeah. Right. I needed to be productive. So even like with my amazing husband, like I, I, I was like reflecting back on times where I would, maybe I'd be laying on the couch and relaxing, reading a book. And then I would hear him come up the stairs and I would quickly like busy myself and like fix something. And like, it's like, what is that? Like I wasn't worthy of rest. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's almost a self-abuse actually. Yeah. I mean, as a, I was a fitness competitor, right. And I, I had the same thing where I felt in order to be worthy of love, I had to be successful and I had to do really cool things. And that started right out of college. And I really loved fitness. I didn't consciously go, oh, I have to be this special person. I just love fitness and I had this drive, but I definitely felt self-pride and worthiness in these achievements. And I was this fitness competitor, but I, I, it was insane how much I over-exercised, mm. over, over-exercised. And people would applaud it like, oh my God, you're a beast. That's amazing. And then I realized once I got sick at 26 years of age, yeah. my kidneys and liver and heart all started to be affected and I got oxidative stress and I developed yeah. Hashimoto's disease. Yeah. I realized that I was actually self-abusing. That mm. over-exercise was a form of self-abuse. And I didn't realize it during the time because it was positively affirmed, right? Yeah, it was praised. Right, it was praised. So then I was like, oh, I got to keep going. Everyone thinks I'm a beast. Like I got to keep going. And um, and, and I look back and I, I actually talk about this in my book about this realization and about what it did, but it forced me, the universe jumped in and was like, all right, knock it off. Yeah, like, knock it stop off. This. <laughs> And it literally stopped me in my tracks. I couldn't work out for a year um, other than like walking and like yoga with not power yoga. Like, like I was in like a classroom with like 60 and 70 year olds doing yoga and it was so hard on my ego, Yeah, uh, but it, it, I needed it. I, it. I needed that to be a part of my process in my life. Yeah. And that's what will happen too, is we'll get, you know, if we don't listen, if we don't listen to those you know, to the, those, those limiting beliefs that are forming us that are keeping us small and not allowing us to achieve more, we will get smacked with something, right. To kind of yeah. wake up and knock it off. Right. I love that. Knock it off. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. I, I know we've already been together for half an hour. I can't believe that already. Um, I mean, you and I could talk for hours and you've, you've just so much to offer people. They, everyone go and get Jen's book, The More Method. Um, I'll definitely be devouring it. Maybe we'll do a book club or something together on it. Um, but what's I gonna say here? Um, okay, so The More Method. People can't claim more for themselves if they don't believe that they are worthy. So maybe that's a place that we can, we can really bring it home is like, how do they become worthy of say I'm worthy? I, um, I want more in whatever area, in every area. So first people need to get clear as to what they want more of. And, mm -hmm. and that might sound like a dodge. And I know we do goal setting all the time, but it's very different than goal setting. Um, and the first question I ask everybody when I'm doing a more method training is what is it that you want more of? Now, most people say time and money. Those are the top two things. 
But I then force people to go deeper. Why do you want more money? What does money mean to you? And they're like, well, I want to travel more and I want you know, to pay for my kids' college. But why? Let's go deeper. What does money mean to you? And as I keep peeling back that onion, I come to find out, you know, maybe they had a childhood like ours and uh, money was scarce and money in my situation was used as a form of manipulation and control. And I often, you know, wanted things I couldn't get. So for me, money means freedom. Money means security. Money means safe. And for a lot of people, it does too. So what I'm really seeking money for isn't for money. It's for security, it's for feeling safe. So now that I get close to the root of my desires, uh, I, can, I can feel, actually feel why I want what I want versus cerebrally in your head of setting goals. So um, not saying goal setting is bad, but what, what's really important for everyone to get more of what they want in life is to get really clear as to what they want more of and why they want it. So one of the biggest things I always wanted more of and, and I feel is my biggest achievement in my life is inner peace. Mm-hmm. Inner peace to me and peace in my home is one of the biggest achievements and that my children feel peace in their home because I did not have a peaceful home. So usually we'll find what you desire uh, now is often something you lacked before in mm-hmm. some part of your life. Uh, some people might want more harmonious relationships. They find that their relationships are often out of order and there's drama. And, and if you're the common denominator of that, usually then it, you have to look within and be like, what is it that within me that I need to change? So getting clear as to what you want more of. And then once you get clear as to that, first you must visualize what that life looks like with it. Feel the emotion of it. So quantum physics 101, we're energy and motion, what you focus on expands. And when you set goals and, and desires, but you don't visualize them and feel them, and then most importantly, believe that you're worthy of them, you will never get them. Mm-hmm. So the worthiness component is, so first you have to, to visualize it, believe that you're worthy and capable of having it. The worthy part is really about self-love. It's about acceptance of who you are. It's about forgiving your past. It's about not aiming for perfection so much. Uh, so many times in this book, I'll say, this is not a path of perfection. It is a more conscious awareness to course correct when you get off course. That's mm-hmm. all life is. We all make mistakes. We all mess up. We all look back at times where we're like, oh man, I could have done that so much better. I really messed up. Yeah. But when we can acknowledge we're not perfect, nor will we ever be, nor should we be. And we forgive ourselves and love ourselves for where we are and everything that made us become who we are at this moment, all the pains and all the happiness too, then we can keep moving forward with more acceptance of ourselves. And and then after that, we have to remove the beliefs and behaviors that block us from getting what we desire. And then the fourth part of that step is then become intentional every day of working towards that. And working towards that doesn't mean effort necessarily. Working towards that most importantly means getting an alignment of the frequency of what it is. And that's another part of the quantum physics. And I talk about it a lot. If your energy is low, your frequency is low, your constant thoughts are ruminating and low frequency thoughts, you will get low frequency results. 
Mm-hmm. The first thing every day I do before I even get out of bed, I play high frequency music. I start dancing in my bed, getting my energy to an optimal le- level so that I can be a magnet for what I desire the rest of the day. Oh, I could just see you dancing in bed. <laughs> I love it. I'll play it for you. Yeah, play, play your song. Every day before I get out of bed, this is it. It makes me laugh. It makes me smile. And I send it to people too. So they, they too can get their energy up. Let's see. Let's hear it. Oh, yes, brother. Latin music. I love Latin music. Here. How can you not dance? Like, how can you not dance? It's like, I can't not move. You can ask me why I spend so much time in, in Miami. <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll link that song. You have to send me the title of it so I can yeah. like put it in the show notes there. Daddy Yankee. I'll send it to you, but it's Daddy Yankee. And all of his music is amazing. <laughs> so good, Jen. Oh my gosh. Well, um, what do you say about growth again? Why, why do we have to grow? Well, growth equals happiness. Growth is happiness. It is. You want to get happy? Get growing. There we go. Get growing, guys. And if you hang around with people like Jen Groover, you're just, you're bound to grow. It's just inevitable. Thank you. Well, and also too, you know, I, I, people will reach out to me. My girlfriend just re- reached out to me yesterday. Felt so bad. She'd just gone through a breakup and she was so upset. And she's like, I don't know what to do with myself. And I said, well, I know this sucks and I know it's painful, but you have to focus on your growth right now. You need to just focus on, I'm going to use this pain to propel me forward to be my best version me possible. I'm going to get more fit. I'm going to get more happy. I'm going to get smarter. I'm going to grow like never before. And when I run into that person, I'm going to be so amazing that they're going to be like, what did I just do? What did I do? (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much, Jen. Let's go out and get her book. Thanks for spending time with us today, Jen. We appreciate you. Thank you. Take care.